Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace. I'm your host, Pastor Caleb Barrett. We're so glad that you have been able to join us today. Today's message is from March 29th, where Pastor Dennis preached on longing for the word. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together. And as we've said many times already throughout this process, throughout this this time, this season that we're going through, uh, Lord, we, we are thankful for your provision. We are thankful that you have given us all that we need to be able to still worship, to be able to look into your word, to be able to interact with one another. Um, to be obedient. You've given us every opportunity to do what you've called us to do. Uh, You've also given us opportunities to be creative in how we do what you've called us to do. So Lord, as we are here tonight and gathered wherever we may be, I know there are some that are uh, watching from the mainland. There are some that are, there are many that are watching from right here in Hawaii. Um, Lord, wherever we are tonight, I pray that Again, wherever we are, that we would hear your words tonight, that your message would come through clearly in spite of the one giving it tonight, Father. I pray that your message would be loud and clear, that our hearts would be in tune with your message, that we would be more like your son as a result of the study of your word. Uh, So, Lord, I do pray that you would forgive us in the many ways that we have failed you. Uh, I pray that you would lead us to be more like your son, that you would receive all of the glory and all of the honor, for you are worth every bit of it, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, I trust that everyone is doing well tonight. Uh, we've survived another week of what, what I'm calling quarantine light, and I, I'm calling it that because we are confined to our homes unless we need something. Uh, we're told to stay away from people unless we've got stuff to do. And so uh, as we're home, I, I'm, I imagine that we're doing well. Uh, and if you're watching, um, at least you're well enough to, to hit the button on the computer. And uh, that makes me sound really old. Um, but that was not a good way to describe that. But, but however you logged in, however you signed in, you are here and we're thankful for you. Uh, For those leading us in worship tonight, they're here, and that way we don't have to preach to an empty room, Uh, but I got a chuckle out of Pastor Caleb, Uh, but as as we are gathering together, uh, I don't want to make light of what we are going through, though. Um, The reason why we're being asked to stay home and avoid close contact with other people is that we might avoid that contact as much as possible, therefore, to begin Uh, reducing the curve so that our hospitals, doctors, nurses, and others don't become overwhelmed. Uh, We're not being stopped from being outside, at least here in Hawaii. We're not being asked asked to stop going outside. We're we're told that if if we want to go exercise, we can do that. Uh, If we want to go surfing, we can do that. We just got to find an open place to do it, Uh, and we got to still follow the social distancing orders, which I guess isn't too hard when you're surfing. Um, Just avoid other people, I guess. Um, But as we're being asked to change the manner of 
uh, of our lives, the way that we interact, the way that we do things, uh, it is for a purpose. We're being told to do something different for a reason. Uh, and that really actually kind of ties in to what we're going to see in Scripture tonight, uh, what we're going to see in First Peter. So if you're with us, uh, again, if you have a copy of your, uh, the Word of God with you, I would encourage you to open up to First Peter. We're going to start in chapter 2. We're going to finish in chapter 2 as well. I don't mean to make you nervous there, but uh, starting in verse 1 of chapter 2, as you're turning there, uh, I, I do want to just recognize that, you know, again, there are a lot of different aspects of our life that is being disrupted or, or changed, and not all for... Um, I guess I could say not, not all in a negative sense. And what I mean by that is um, John mentioned this this morning, uh, that he's had more time with his children uh, this week, uh, I think he said, than, than probably ever. Um, I think this week as I was working from home, uh, also moving, um, but while, while I was at home, it, it gave me a, an opportunity with my son to just be in the same room with him while he's working on different things, while he's playing, while he's watching TV, while he's building Lego or painting or anything else. Uh, I want to take a look at all of that and recognize this really is a gift uh, in the sense that uh, I have an opportunity now to spend more time with my son than I would have. Uh, obviously, there's still work that has to be done. There's, there's responsibilities that have to be upheld. I understand all of that. But I think if we can change the perspective, uh, instead of looking at uh, this as a, as a negative thing and that it's disrupting our lives and we can get angry and frustrated, we can build resentment, and that leads to further anger, and then, then we end up doing something foolish. Um, but instead, if we would change our perspective and recognize that God is blessing us with opportunities to obey. Um, and I think here, I, I want to sp speak mainly to dads before we get into the message tonight, because for fathers, this has been a difficult thing. It's been a difficult thing for us to spend time with our families because we have work. We have things that need to be taken care of. We have responsibilities. And normally, our excuse is always, you know, I've got stuff to do, and I'm, I'm busy, and I've just been at work all day, and now I come home. And, well, God took all of that away from us. And so... Uh, by being home, for many of us, I, I realize there are some of you who are tuning in that you're essential, and we thank you for being essential and for doing what you do, but for many of us, we're home. The, the excuses as to why we can't lead our families well are gone. Uh, it's time to stand up and do what God has called us to do. Uh, we have every opportunity now to lead our families well, and I just want to encourage you tonight uh, fathers that are watching, um, continue to do what God has called you to do. This is an opportunity for you as a father to lead your family well. This is an opportunity for you and me as fathers to, uh, to do what God has called us to do. We're, we, we are blessed with opportunities to obey. Now, when we started this study in 1 Peter, we talked about how that's what Peter was telling those chosen exiles. They were set apart for a specific time. Now, they were dealing with persecution. They were dealing with um, neighbors and coworkers and, and government officials that were uh, persecuting them. We're struggling through a different kind of tribulation, a different kind of struggle, uh, but we are struggling all the same, and as we continue to struggle, we have to remember 
We are where we are because a sovereign God allows us to be. We have a responsibility to step up and to do what he's called us to do. Now, as I talk to dads, uh, of course, this goes for all of us, moms included. Children, obey your parents for this is right. Um, you know, wives, as you learned and, and were reminded by this morning's message, uh, each one of us has a responsibility. Uh, but I say all of that because as we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, we begin to see uh, Peter giving instructions for believers. Now clearly, he's continuing his thought that began in chapter 1 verse 22 regarding this new identity uh, that we have. We are no longer of the world as Paul and John and, and uh, of course now Peter uh, have reminded us. We are set apart. Now while Peter has been giving us information about who we are, now we begin to see how we are to act. Peter gives us five things that we're to put away. Uh, we're going to read the passage. We'll look into those things, and then we'll talk about the Word for just a few more moments. So again, with your copy of the Word, I'm reading out of the ESV tonight. Uh, whatever translation you're reading from, I encourage you to follow along as we start. Verse 1 of chapter 2 starts off, So... Some of your translations will say, therefore, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. <coughs> Excuse me. Now here, we're told to renounce, to put away, to separate ourselves from, from really five things. Uh, these five things are malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Now, when you break these five things down, what we see is there really there are two attitudes that, that Peter is telling us about and then three additional actions. So the first attitude is the attitude of malice or wickedness. Um, earlier in chapter 1, Peter reminds us that we are to love one another, that we are to show brotherly love, that we are to count one another as, as Scripture continues in other areas, that we are to count others as high, higher than ourselves, that we're to put their needs above our own, that we're to care for one another, that we're to reach out and meet one another's needs, and we're to love one another. We're told in Scripture in many places that we are to love our neighbors. So we understand that this new identity that God has placed upon us, that He has pulled us out and recognized, and we recognize that He has placed us here for a specific time, for a specific reason, and right now our opportunities are leading us to show one another love. Now, we can continue to be jerks, right? I mean, that's fair. We can continue to do that. Is that what we ought to do? Of course not. Um, of course not. We can continue to hoard up things like toilet paper and uh, antibacterial soap, which apparently are um, hot commodities, and that's kind of old news. But we can continue to hoard these things up, but is that loving? Is that kind? Is that thinking of your neighbor 
uh, more highly than yourself. No, of course not. And so we are to uh, recognize that this new identity leads us to be different. So we cannot have this attitude of wickedness. Now, I'm not saying if you go out and you buy a couple extra rolls of toilet paper that you're practicing malice. You could be. You need to watch that. Uh, but the truth is, we, we do recognize that wickedness is something that we must put aside. There is no room in the new believer's life for wickedness. And that follows with deceit. We're told to put away these things. We're told to put these things behind us, to separate ourselves from these things, that we are to put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. We're told to put these things away. So we have this... Uh, attitude of, of wickedness, but also this attitude of deceit, this lying, this, um, this guile, as, as the King James would put it, uh, this, this um, I think a modern translation could say shadiness. Um, we should not be shady in our dealings. Uh, we should not be deceitful. We shouldn't seek out ways to undercut uh, one another. We shouldn't seek out ways to uh, to scheme and get ahead, uh, we should be looking out for one another, not deceiving them. And so this attitude of deceitfulness cannot remain with us. We are different. We have been set aside. Uh, We are going through something right now that tests that, are we not? Uh, We're going through something right now that tests our ability to remain clean. Uh, As James tells us, pure religion is that which, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it takes care of the orphans and the widows and remains unstained from the world. There's a lot of bitterness out there. There's a lot of angry folks. There's a lot of frustration. And if we're not careful, we can allow that to envelop us. Um, But as Christians, as believers, as followers of God, we cannot do that any longer. And so we have those two attitudes, malice and deceit. Uh, But then we have three actions, okay? We have these three actions, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Now, another word for hypocrisy would be insincerity, uh, if we're not being sincere in our actions. Remember earlier in chapter 1, we were told that, that we have been purified or our souls have been purified by obedience to truth for a sincere brotherly love. Uh, we, we strive after, or we should strive after, that which is sincere. Now, one of the things that came out of a, a recent study uh, looking at the, uh, the current coming-of-age generation and, and one of the things they're looking for, um, a lot of different researchers are trying to figure out why folks seem to leave the faith. Uh, and what, one thing they found out is that what everyone seems to be looking for is something that's authentic, something that's real, something that when it says what it says, it means what it says. Um, what they're looking for is something that's sincere. We as believers, we ought to be sincere. We should, when we say yes, we should mean yes. We should say what we mean and we should mean what we say. Um, we should not be like those who, uh, with this attitude of deceit, has the insincere actions, again, trying to undercut one another, trying to cause problems for one another. Again, we have been set apart. We have been set free. And we'll come back to that, that concept of being set free in just a moment. Um, 
Next, we have envy. So we've already talked about malice, deceit, hypocrisy. Let's look at envy. Uh, This jealousy uh, is another word for it. Now, jealousy is a difficult thing because sometimes jealousy sneaks up on you. Sometimes you don't realize you're jealous until you start taking certain actions and then you end up causing problems for others. Why? Because you wanted what they have. You think you deserve what they got. Um, And it, it always starts off as a subtle thing and then it leads us quickly astray. Uh, as believers, we have to put that behind us. We cannot allow envy to be something that defines the new, the new believer. Uh, we have been born again. We have been freed from that sin. We cannot allow that to, um, to weigh us down any further. And so we can, we can stand here and we can talk more about what it means to be hypocritical, what it means to be envious. We can, we can spend time talking about slander and why slander is wrong. We're not going to do that tonight because I think we, we all understand these three actions, hypocrisy or insincerity, insincerity uh, envy or jealousy, or jealousy, and then slander, which is backbiting or evil speech. We need to understand that these sins, while they're not an exhaustive list of what a believer could potentially be involved in, uh, again, while that's true, not a single one of these five things is compatible with brotherly love. Not a single one of these five things can be a part of our Christian toolbox, so to speak. Um, and when I say this Christian toolbox, we talk about, you know, what are the, the actions, what are the attitudes you need in order to get things done? What are the things that you need in order to do what God has called you to do? Well, these five things better not show up in your toolbox. Uh, you should not seek out ways to follow God by backbiting and uh, hurting other people. You should not seek out ways to follow God by being insincere and lying through deceit uh, or trying to be shady or trying to be um, like a, a schemer or, or uh, subtle for the sake of um, trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes. That is not what God has called us to do. So again, not a single one of these things is compatible with brotherly love. Could Peter continue on giving us a a laundry list, a dirty laundry list, so to speak, of, of all of these particular sins? Yes, he could, but the truth is this list suffice. It should suffice to help us to understand we have a new identity. These attitudes, these actions cannot identify us any longer we cannot be attached to these things we cannot be known by these things we have to put them aside now in a big way uh, I think what Peter's doing is he's saying look around you look around the world that you are in all around you there is malice there's deceit there's hypocrisy there's envy there's slander there is more don't get me wrong but there's at least these things there may be more, but there is not less. I will, I will tell you that. That as you look around the world, uh, the places that we are called to go, the places that we are called to reach with the gospel, it doesn't look like what we should know. And there's a reason for that. Uh, because the world doesn't yet know Christ. Um, and so sometimes we get upset because we look at this list and we want to project this over onto non-believers and say, well, they're 
they're, they're a shady businessman. I don't, I don't want to be involved with him. Or, you know, well, that guy's a, he's a, he's a hard-nosed man. He's tough to deal with. Uh, we, we might not want to interact with these folks. Well, the truth is, what do you expect? We sometimes get upset because non-believers act like non-believers. What Peter's saying is, look around you. You can see all of these things, and you can see the damage that these things do. Don't let that be you. Um, that is not who you were set apart to be. Uh, in a big way, Peter, again, is saying, look around you. You have to be different. Now, is Peter talking about behavior modification? No. Uh, Peter is not saying, just change your actions and everything's going to be fine. He's telling you, your actions need to change because something happened to your heart. Jesus did a work in you. He changed your heart. He has cleaned you up. These things no longer define you. These things should not be part of who you are anymore because there is something fundamentally different about who you are. And what it is, is you have a new heart. You are a new creation in Christ, and those things can't be who you are anymore. So, in fact, that, that word, so, at the beginning... Uh, verse 1 where he says so put away all malice and and he goes on with the list that word so uh, in other translations are are, would would be translated as therefore or wherefore Um, but ultimately that word so is actually a conjunction and it's tying his earlier thought from the previous passage to this passage so what I want to do is I want to go back to that and I just want to paraphrase quickly. He says, your souls have been purified and you have been born again. This is the word, the good news that was preached to you. So stop doing these things. You are free from that. You have been given the command to love. Each of those five things are set in direct opposition to love. You cannot love with Christ's love while holding on to those things. Something has to go you've got to let go of those things so i would encourage you tonight before you go to bed spend time with your family pray together as a family but then get some time to be alone and begin to examine your own heart and find out am i living the way that god has called me to live or am i holding on to bits and pieces of the old man Throughout the New Testament, we're reminded we are new creations. The old man has to be put away. We have to be putting these things away. There's a, there's a famous quote about sin. Uh, I believe it's uh, John Owens. He said, you'd better be killing sin or it will be killing you. Um, and I might have butchered that, but the, 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 the point remains we have to put sin to death because we're no match for it on our own. Uh, We need to put these things away. If we continue to hang on to them, they will devour us. Uh, They are not compatible with this new life. They're not compatible with this new identity. They're not compatible with kingdom living. And right now, we are in the midst of, of a major shift in the way that we live. Uh, We're recognizing that there's so many things that we can do from home that we've never considered doing before. Things like going to church and interacting. Um, Giving online is an important thing. Um, Being able to interact with with family members and and texting them and calling them and checking on them more than we probably have 
uh, in a while. Um, these are all important things, and we're able to do these things because we've had something happen that has forced us to slow down. It's forced us to slow down and take stock of where we are. While we're doing that in a secular sense, and that, in that the whole world is doing this, we, sometimes we need to take a moment and do that with our faith. Just take a minute, slow down, take stock of where you are, and find out, am I still holding on to any of these things? And I would encourage you tonight, if you are, let them go. Drop those things. They have no place in our lives. Again, something has to go. You cannot love with Christ's love while holding on to those things. So instead, what should we do? Uh, well, he tells us we should long for the pure spiritual milk. And he says that in verse 3, excuse me, verse 2. He says, like newborn infants or newborn babies, some of your copies of the word might say. Uh, he tells us to long for the pure spiritual milk. So here he urges us to do something positive. So he gives us a, a list of five things that he tells us to avoid, to stop doing. Uh, and here he gives us something positive that we should do. Since they had experienced the new birth, uh, we see that in verse 3 of chapter 1, verse 23 of chapter 1, uh, we should now do what infants do. We should do what we recognize babies doing. Uh, we should drink the milk. Um, now, when he refers to them and he says now as as newborn infants long for this pure spiritual milk. He is not calling them immature. Uh, he's not, what Peter is doing here is he's not telling them like Paul did in, in other places and saying, you should be past this now. Um, you, you are acting like babies when you should be full, fully grown. No, what Peter's doing here is he's saying, take a look at babies and recognize what they do. They long for that milk. Why? Because it's what they need. It sustains them. Uh, they need it in order to grow. Now, I don't care if you've been saved for the last 10 minutes or if you've been saved for the last 10 years or more. Uh, the spiritual milk, the pure milk of the Word is healthy for all of us. Now, as we grow, we see that the Word is referred to in some places as milk for, not, for immature believers. In other places, it's referred to as meat for the mature. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you stand, but it doesn't matter where you are in your walk with Christ. This book has enough to nourish your soul. It has enough for you to grow. You need to develop a healthy longing for the pure milk of the word. One commentator says the pure milk of the word is probably the milk that is the word itself rather than the milk contained in the word, namely Christ himself, although either interpretation is impossible. So what he's saying here is the pure milk of the word, it could be the word itself, um, the spiritual or the pure, um, the, the, the word here for spiritual milk, uh, this pure, holy, righteous, spiritual milk uh, is very important for us to be able to grow. Uh, we want to know how can we develop a new attitude. Uh, we've been told about these two attitudes and these three actions we need to avoid. How can we avoid these things? 
by drinking the milk, by getting into the Word, by developing a healthy longing for these things. Now again, don't mistake this milk to be the elementary truths that Paul refers to, but rather a pure spiritual food that is good and healthy for all believers. We are to long for it. Now that that phrase, long for, uh, a paraphrase that fits really well here could be develop an appetite for. Um, you know, sometimes we eat things or we drink things that uh, you, someone hands you for the first time and you taste it and you feel like, I don't think I should have had that. And they say, well, it's an acquired taste. Um, how, do you, how do you acquire a taste for something that isn't, uh, isn't something that you necessarily enjoy right up front? You have to just keep eating it, right? Uh, you keep, keep working at it. Some of us, we've never studied before. We haven't been taught well how to study the Word. It's not going to be easy right up front, um, but we need to keep working at it. I encourage you to, if you have questions about your faith, if you have questions about the Bible or about the truths of the Bible, um, back before the whole world was under this this crazy COVID-19 response, uh, we, we began a study in apologetics. Now, because of technology, we hope to be able to continue that soon. Um, but this, this study of apologetics, uh, it's an important study for all believers. It doesn't matter if you are a new believer or a mature believer or a maturing believer. Uh, the study of apologetics is crucial for each and every one of us because it helps us to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. It gives us a defense for our faith. And why does our faith need defending? Because as you read this book, there are some confusing things in here. There are some things that we don't understand right up front, and we need to take some time and chew on it for a while. Uh, Sometimes some of these passages you'll read, and it'll click, and you'll read it 10 years later, and it'll click, but in a completely different way, and you'll learn something new that you you can, can, I've had many conversations where someone will tell me, you know, I I know that I've read that passage before, but I I never realized it said it that way. Um, Spurgeon had a quote uh, that basically said the the word of God is the only book that grows with you Um, that it grows the deeper you get into it the deeper the word goes I encourage you develop a healthy appetite for reading the word of God read it daily talk about it daily the Bible college that I went to uh, one of the requirements was that every morning you had to do a daily quiet time Um, the the founder of the organization had a famous saying that he always said, your quiet time is not complete until you share it. Uh, I would encourage you as you're reading your word, reading his word rather, uh, share it, talk about it, uh, go out, meet with somebody, uh, still obey the social distancing, but uh, interact with somebody about the word find somebody who's a little bit further along in their faith and ask them questions and then study it out together there are a lot of things in this book that that require deep thought and a lot of study and meditation you need to just really work on these passages and continue to study it out Uh, don't turn away from the passages that are hard to understand uh, just because they're difficult Um, you know sometimes we eat different foods so keeping with this analogy we eat different foods Uh, your body takes a little bit longer to to digest certain foods than it does others 
Um, we don't avoid steak just because it takes our bodies a little bit longer to process and uh, digest meat, or at least I don't. <laughs> um, but we need to recognize that there are some passages that are going to take a little bit more time. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. But I encourage you, if you have questions, reach out. Ask questions. Study together. Develop this healthy appetite. Uh, and speaking of this appetite, Warren Wearsby once said, it is sad when Christians have no appetite for God's word, but must be fed, quote unquote fed, religious entertainment instead. As we grow, we discover that the word is milk for babies, but also strong meat for the mature. It is also bread, as Matthew 4 tells us, and honey, as Psalm 119 says. Um, the word of God is good for your soul. Uh, it is healthy. Work on it. Continue studying. Continue growing. Continue searching out. Uh, we are not defined by those five things anymore. What we should be defined as is that we are people of the word, that we are people who love others, and that we love God. And so, again, what is the greatest commandment? That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you're loving God, you need to love his word. Um, sometimes we, we come up with crazy statements and say, you know, I, I love God, but I, I hate this, or I, I love God, but I can't stand religion. Um, we can debate those kind of conversations, but there's no way that you can legitimately say, I love God, but I can't stand reading his word. Uh, if you love God, you have to love hearing from him. It may be difficult, it may be hard to understand, but I encourage you to study it out. Next, he says, grow up into salvation. And very quickly, I just want to highlight, when he talks about growing up into salvation, I think there are sometimes we can look at texts, texts like this where he says, he says that by it you may grow up into salvation. And so I think sometimes people will take a look at that and they say, well, if I'm supposed to long for the word so that I grow into salvation, is this works-based salvation? Am I not really saved if I'm not growing into the word? That's not what it's talking about here. When he says grow into salvation, I believe he's talking about growing into and developing into the full extent of salvation. That as you're growing through your salvation and working out your salvation with fear and trembling as scripture teaches as you're growing through that there's coming a day when you will receive the full extent of what Christ has secured for you the full the full weight and measure of his promise will be handed to you one day as you're growing toward that it is impossible to do well if we're not studying his word if we're not hearing from him regularly uh, we've, we've said this many times if you want to hear from God and this isn't my quote I've, I've stolen it uh, but if, if you want to hear from God read his word if you want to hear him speak to you read it out loud uh, I encourage you to continue to read his word why because it is good it is it is good for us he says in verse 3 as we as we wrap up this evening he says in verse 3 if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good if you are a believer and you have tasted the word of God you have seen that he is good you know personally within your soul that he is good that he is righteous that he is kind that he is merciful that he is loving if you know that then clearly we should develop a, uh, an appetite for the word that comes from him. 
if we've tasted and seen this good news that's come to us and we recognize that the Lord indeed is good, then we should continue to grow into our salvation, continue to mature. One day we will receive that, but we know that it's coming because He is good. I want to read verse 8 of Psalm 34. It's very short, but the psalmist says here, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Our God is good. Now, there's a lot that's happening around our world. There's a lot of people who are nervous. There's a lot of people who are afraid, that don't understand what exactly is happening. They don't understand why this is happening. Uh, and again, we can talk about those things. Uh, we have some videos coming this week uh, where we will get into what it means to um, move through this storm um, that, that we're experiencing, the, the, the blame game that we often play. Uh, we'll talk about these things. But what I encourage you to understand tonight is there, there is a lot happening. Those of us who are believers, we have an answer for it. We know that we live in a fallen world, and this world is going to continue to look like a fallen world and act like a fallen world until the day that Jesus comes to make all things new. When he comes to, to bring that new heaven, that new earth, when he comes for that, he will set all things right. But until that day, we understand these kind of things will continue to happen. And they happen because these are the effects. These are the consequences uh, of, ultimately, these are the consequences of sin. Now, without, you know, blaming who sinned and who caused these things, we just need to take stock of where we, at, where we are, make sure we're okay, and now take a minute, evaluate how everything is going, now start looking out and seeing what you can do to help. Um, but Maybe you're watching tonight and you say, I, I don't know that I've ever tasted that the Lord is good. I, I don't know what that means. What does it mean that he is good? What does it mean to long for this word? Why should I, why should I be drinking milk? Why should I be talking about food? Why, what is all of this about? Well, I can encourage you. There is a God who created all of this. He created the heavens and the earth. He created man in his image. That man and the woman that he gave him sinned against the holy and righteous God. Because of that, punishment was exacted upon that sin. Uh, you and I both sin. We, we recognize that. If you're watching tonight and you say, I, I don't know what any of this means, I encourage you to, to just hear me in this moment. We have both sinned. Because we have sinned, we have sinned against the holy and righteous God. Because we've sinned against him, there is a penalty that must be paid. The bad news is that all mankind has fallen short of this glorious standard of perfection. All of us have sinned, but one. Jesus came to this earth as a perfect and holy human being, both truly God, truly man, and uh, he lived a perfect and sinless life, and he died on the cross to pay for our sins. When I said that sin de demands a penalty, there, there needed to be a punishment, but Jesus took that for you. On the cross, when he died on the cross, he took the weight of the sin on his shoulders, and he nailed that to the cross with him. Three days later, he rose from the grave, victorious, not over just sin, but over sin and death, and proving that he has power over life, 
power over death, power over sin and sickness, and he is alive today. We believe this, we trust in this, and he told us that if we would trust in him and call upon his name for salvation, and what that means is to rescue us from our sins, rescue us from the penalty that's due because of our sins. Uh, He promises that he will do that, that he will take those sins and he will cast them as far as the east is from the west, that he will remove those from our record, that he will declare us righteous. Now that, my friends, is good news. That is a good thing. That is a good word. Peter says, this is the good word that was preached to you. If you hear those words and you trust in Jesus, recognizing that you are a sinner, recognizing that you need a Savior, and placing your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you, if you have questions about that, call us. Um, Leave a comment below. We will see that as soon as this is over, and we will get in touch with you. We want to give you every opportunity to taste and see that the Lord, the God we serve, is good. He is holy. He is righteous. He is kind, and he has a plan for your life. Now, again, for many of you, you you may have just sat through that, and you say, well, I believe that my whole life. Great. Get to work. Do what he has called us to do. We have been set apart for a chosen time. This is not a mistake. This is not an accident. All of this that's going on is an opportunity for the church to do what the church was called to do, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and in doing so, make disciples. Those of you that you, you may be contemplating what all this means, again, I encourage you to reach out to us talk with us. We will call you. We can set up a, uh, a video conference. We can talk to you face-to-face without even being in the same room, and we can interact with you and share with you what it means to be a believer. But once again, if you would admit that you are a sinner, believe in Jesus and confess that he is Lord, then the Bible says that you will be saved. We can talk about what it means to continue to taste in his goodness, but I encourage you to get a copy of the word. Again, if you don't have one, reach out to us. We will, we will make sure that you have one, that we can get one to you. Uh, but let's together, whether you've not been saved until now or if you've been saved for a long time, let's get together and continue to do what he's called us to do because he is good. We have tasted that he is good. Easter is coming up in just a couple weeks, and we have an opportunity. It's going to be different than it's ever been, but we have an opportunity to taste and see that he is good and remember his sacrifice on our behalf, and not just his sacrifice, but his resurrection. It's coming. We have an opportunity to celebrate and to remember that. As we do this, I encourage you to continue to pray, continue to reach out for one another and uh, love one another. We were called to this new identity to follow Christ. I encourage you to do that with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your goodness in allowing us this opportunity to to gather together. Uh, Lord, and as we do it uh, differently than we have in the past, uh, we are still together in spirit. Uh, I think that uh, while... um, We recognize that your word was referring to uh, discipline. Uh, The principle remains, Father, that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. Father, we are gathered in your name tonight. We want to continue to lift your praises and lift your, your name high. We want to continue to study out your word. Father, for each and every person who's hearing this, who's who's watching this, or those here, Father, myself included, create in us 
an appetite for your word, an appetite that can't easily be quenched. Father, help us to not be um, okay with just a little bit of your word. Help us to seek out ways to devour portions, to study, to, to get as much as we can. Help us to get our fill on the goodness of your word because you, Father, you are good. You are holy. You are righteous. We are not, but you have called us to be like your son. Help us, Father. We can thank you in advance of the good things that you are going to do because your plans are perfect. So, Father, we look forward to what you're going to do, and we ask that you lead us to be like your son. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that this message was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at pastor at mbaptist.org. And for prayer requests, please email us at prayer at mbaptist.org. We want to be praying with you and for you, especially uh, in times like these. For more information on Mililani Baptist Church, please visit our website at mbaptist.org or follow us on social media or YouTube. Thank you again for joining us today.